Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the best of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Last night, I was in the zone, went to go see the new Star Wars movie with uh, my nine-year-old and my seven-year-old. A lot of you probably over the weekend either have or will go see that movie as well as it rolls towards a billion dollars. Much to get to on the Friday edition of Outkick the Coverage. Um, Big news. We talked about it some yesterday. The decision by Disney to buy substantial assets of Fox. We'll talk about that later in the show. We had the final game of the Thursday night football package that nobody really cared about. The Denver Broncos playing against the Indianapolis Colts. We'll discuss the overall impact of Thursday night football this year. Now as we come into the final three games of the season we will also discuss Lonzo Ball and LeBron James having a secret conversation behind their jersey and LeBron as one of the great kind of drama stokers of his generation and the quotes that he gave after the Thursday night game on the road against the Lakers and Lonzo Ball will LeBron be a hashtag future Laker I've been saying for a while that I believe that he will. We'll play the audio of that. We will also continue to have fun with Warren Sapp responding to a sexual harassment allegation that he gave a woman a uh, a, uh, a sex toy by saying, no, 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 that's a totally made-up story. That's fake news. You need to hear Warren Sapp and his defense, and we will play that for you. But I thought we probably should start with Thursday night football coming to a close in the NFL because it continues to be so controversial in terms of its impact on the health of players. And now that Roger Goodell is signed until 2024, I think Thursday night football is a good addition. I don't want it to go. 
I don't want it to disappear. It's worth $500 million, so players are being paid a lot for these games. But if I were Roger Goodell in this offseason, as a gesture of goodwill towards the players, I would make the decision to extend the season by one week, and I would guarantee that everybody has a bye before their Thursday night football game. I think that that is a uh, sort of an olive branch that can be extended out by Roger Goodell to try to help player and owner and league representatives have a better relationship as they head into the new collective bargaining agreement negotiations and I believe 2021. Now, some of you may say, well, if Roger Goodell's smart, he should save that as a uh, as a gesture of goodwill for 2021 because it'll make the owners and the league look better if they offer that to players as part of their new collective bargaining agreement. I would agree that that's something that could be saved as part of the overall collective bargaining agreement, but to me, this represents a better decision because it goes ahead and resolves this issue before it continues to grow and or before more guys get injured seriously next year in Thursday night football games. Um, I, I just think it makes a tremendous amount of sense. And, I, I, you know, again, the opening week of the season, you play a Thursday night football game. So that's fine, right? You, those guys don't need a bye week. And then the rest of the season, you just give a bye week to every team as they get ready for that game. I just think it makes tremendous amounts of sense. That would be one of my uh, ways that I could make the NFL better as we head into 2018. Now, look, there are a lot of great games that are going to happen this weekend, most notably the game that we really haven't spent that much time talking about because there have been a lot of other stories with the Patriots going on the road against the Steelers, and it's going to soak up almost all the attention, uh, although there are a lot of really kind of intriguing games. Obviously, the Rams going on the road against the Seahawks. Lots of drama still to come from what happens in the AFC West with the Chargers, who started 0-4 going on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, we'll see what happens in the AFC South between the Titans and the 49ers and what happens with the Jags. Can they make a run and finish 12-4? and All of that to be determined in uh, Sunday's NFL action. And I think that those are going to be fantastic games. I mean, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in the Pat Steelers game because I believe whoever wins that game will be the representative for the AFC in the Super Bowl. And oddsmakers actually agree with me that it's a tremendous difference between whether or not you have to go through Pittsburgh or whether or not you have to go through New England. So there's lots to look forward to in the weekend to come in the NFL. We also have uh, everything surrounding the college uh, bowl season starting on Saturday, and that seems to have gotten here fairly quickly. And uh, that will be a, a great jumping-off point to see exactly what transpires as we work our way through the college bowl season when eventually there's a game in college football on television virtually every night throughout the holiday season and beyond. But the story that's probably going to get the most attention on Friday in the world of sports is LeBron James playing against Lonzo Ball the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James, remember, a free agent at the end of this season. The expectation has been as LeBron brought a bought a new mansion in L.A. that LeBron wants to move to L.A. to kind of further his post-basketball career. He's been involved in, in several different media-related stories. He's founded companies in L.A. designed to be in the entertainment business. 
He obviously can get a meeting with anybody that he wants in L.A., and it would appear that there is substantial interest between LeBron James and the Lakers, LeBron James and the city of Los Angeles. Well, knowing all of that, first of all, LeBron had a secret conversation with Lonzo where they picked up their uh, their jerseys and covered their mouths so they could have a conversation that nobody could lip-read, which is just so LeBron it hurts. But then after the game, LeBron was asked about Lonzo, and he specifically said, well, you need to hear it yourself because he knew – how quickly what he said would spread like wildfire throughout the NBA because LeBron's free agency will be the number one story again in the offseason. And here's what LeBron James said about Lonzo Ball. We saw you had a moment with Lonzo there. What did you have to say to him? Uh, I didn't tell him anything. I didn't tell him anything. It's not for everybody. There's enough noise out there already with Zoe, and uh, it's not for me to discuss. Uh, but, you know, he has a bright future, like I said the other day in my quotes. And, uh, you know, they got a bunch of young guys, and they don't stop running, I'll tell you that. So it's a good win for us. Um, and I think LeBron also said he's the kind of guy you like to play with, right, as the second part of his audio. Do we have that audio as well? Sometimes uh, it is uh, it is fascinating to see what audio makes the uh, the rundown and what doesn't. We also have Lonzo Ball talking about his uh, his relationship with LeBron. He was asked about that conversation after the game, and Lonzo had this to say: "I noticed LeBron grabbed you after the game on the court. What did he say to you? He didn't tell me anything. Just said good game and kind of slapped hands. That's it. Nothing." Well, if he did tell him anything, LeVar Ball will be telling us exactly what the conversation was <laughs> within the next, uh, within the next, probably before this show ends this morning, LeVar Ball will be tweeting out exactly what the conversation was between the two guys. Um, the, the other aspect of that quote, and evidently we don't have that audio ready to roll right now, that I thought was uh, maybe the most intriguing of that entire conversation and that interchange between LeBron and, uh, and obviously Lonzo Ball was LeBron basically saying he's the kind of guy you want to play with. Um, and obviously that is a, uh, that's a that's going to be taken as a serious endorsement, even if it wasn't intended to be a serious endorsement of the uh, LeBron James and, uh, and, and where he might go in the, uh, in the wake of this, uh, this kind of game and this kind of incident. We'll find that audio for you. We'll play it in the uh, next segment. And, uh, and, you know, obviously Lonzo looks in many ways at LeBron James like LeBron James used to look at Michael Jordan or like Kobe Bryant used to look at Michael Jordan. It's interesting to see that evolution in the NBA game because Lonzo is only 19 years old, which you think about it, it's crazy. Lonzo, I think, was born in, if I'm doing the math correctly here, in like 19, <laughs> this is unbelievable, right? Like 1998 or thereabouts. So he's come of age almost entirely with LeBron James. He has no recollection whatsoever of Michael Jordan, and that is a, uh, that's an uh, intriguing situation. Uh, here's what LeBron uh, said about Lonzo. Um, asked what he admires the most about Lonzo Ball. Quote, he passes the ball, pushes the ball up the floor, someone you want to play with. This is a team game. Everyone gets caught, so caught up in this whole individual thing, and it's the whole team game gets overlooked. But then... I'm not going to go there. But the fact that he said someone you want to play with is going to be run with like crazy in the city of Los Angeles. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. By the way, there's a story alleging um, some really 
inappropriate conduct by ESPN employees potentially and also unfairness in the way that they have treated women in uh, their time in Bristol that is in the Boston Globe that came out last night. You can go read that. I imagine that it will be a a primary topic of conversation uh, as we move into the full Friday. Uh, That story, bostonglobe.com, if you just type in on Google ESPN Boston Globe, it'll come up and you can read it. And uh, some of the stories in there about the way that ESPN treated female employees who were pregnant uh, was uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty difficult to read. I think if you are a uh, if you are a woman, and uh, it's obviously going to increase the pressure on ESPN. Now there are also allegations in there about particular behavior by male uh, employees at ESPN. I'm going to be fair here. I actually didn't think that they had behaved. In the two employees that were that were mentioned in that story, I actually didn't think they had behaved in an, in an incredibly inappropriate fashion. Um, and ESPN's even taken the next step this uh, late last night of publishing all of the text messages between uh, one of their anchors, John Butchigross, Butchigross. I, I, I probably just Butchigross. Butchigross. Yeah. What. Uh, whatever, um, and uh, and this girl uh, that also worked at ESPN who was alleged inappropriate behavior, and I read those, and I read those texts, and, and a couple of things came to mind. One, does every guy now in America have to save every text exchange that he sent to a woman? Because if you didn't have the text exchange, is that a situation where you would be in trouble, right? I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know how long uh, iPhone or text message interchanges are saved. So a lot of times what I do is just to clear data, and I'm probably sure a lot of you guys do the same thing, I go in and delete texts. You know, So if I've been talking to somebody for a long time, I don't have every text message that I've ever sent them. I just don't think that makes a lot of sense. Maybe some of you guys do keep your long text interchanges with people for forever. But if I were a guy who was dating girls now, and, and a, certainly if I was dating somebody who worked at my place of business, I almost think that you should keep every text you ever sent to them just as evidence of whether or not your text exchanges were appropriate or not so that everybody can go into it and read the context behind what you said. Because her allegations against him in the article, standing alone, can sound inappropriate, but if you go read the context of their text conversation, it doesn't seem inappropriate at all to me. So maybe I'm, again, maybe I'm wrong when I read that, but I'm trying to read it in, in, in almost the, the position that I would be in if I were a jury on a trial trying to analyze if someone was sexually harassed, and I didn't think his behavior was that inappropriate at all if I read that text exchange. The other thing is, and that's frankly why I haven't shared the article on my own Twitter feed because I read it and I was like, man, there's some stuff in here that's that's uncomfortable. But I also feel like we're in an era now where if you're a guy and everybody broadcasts accusations against you, everybody believes them. You know, it's, it, it, it's this crazy place. And I was talking about this the other day where we've moved very rapidly in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein story, which has spiraled across so many different uh, organizations where, and again, I would like people to think about this and and ask, does it make sense, where for a long time women said, hey, nobody believed us because we're women, and now we've moved into an era where everyone 
is is believing these accusations because these are women. And I'm asking you the question, does it make sense? Isn't that just as bad? Isn't it just as bad to not believe somebody because they're a woman as it is to believe someone because they're a woman? We've swung right past truth and fairness and justice in America today. And I think this is not just true of women's allegations in general. I think it's true when we do that for any race, sex, gender, ethnicity, uh, religion, uh, anybody who uh, sexual orientation. You have to look at the individual facts of every case, and you can't allow a case to stand in as an example of, oh, this is, this is what's so prevalent in sexual harassment in society where you automatically believe a woman just because she is a woman. I, I just I, I don't think that makes sense. So the reason why I bring that up is I think if you look at all the text interchanges between uh, this uh, this ESPN employee, what you say his name is, Butchie Gross? John Butchie Gross. Close to it, whatever. That's a tough name to pronounce. That's as close as you're going to get from me this early in the morning. Um, and also there's a story in there about Matthew Barry, uh, who's a fantasy sports guy, supposedly going to a strip club with uh, with a woman with Jim some women, uh, yeah. After interviewing uh, and having a dinner, now I understand in general, like the idea that you shouldn't do that when you're interviewing an employee. That was probably a bad move after dinner. But is it now not not allowed for a guy to go to a strip club with coworkers? I mean that honestly. Like I, I I've been to strip clubs all over the place, right? Uh, not like I go there regularly. But every time I've been to Las Vegas in the last decade, I've probably ended up in a strip club. Just FYI. I've gone to strip clubs with coworkers of both sexes before in groups too. Is that now sexual harassment? Wouldn't it be sexual harassment if you're going somewhere and you don't invite everybody to go with you? I mean, I mean that's, an, that's an honest question. Like, I'll give you an example. We uh, have done uh, television um, in Vegas when I was with FS1. And first of all, it's Vegas. So people go out to clubs. You know, your lifestyle is different in Vegas than it might be otherwise. Uh, I have done like uh, a night where we finished the finished the show in Las Vegas. And then a group of people say, okay, let's go out and get some dinner and drinks. And then an additional group goes on to a strip club. To me, you offer the right for anybody to go. If they don't want to go, they don't have to go. But is that sexual harassment? Is that the standard now where if you uh, go to, if you're a guy and you go to a strip club in Vegas and you offer for the female employees who are also there, like, hey, we just finished dinner, we've had some drinks, I think we're going to go to a strip club. Is that sexual harassment now? Wouldn't it be, un- I mean, I'm, I'm asking this question honestly, wouldn't it be unfair to go to a strip club and be like, oh, and we're going to a strip club and no women are allowed to go? Like, we're excluding women from the offer to go to this, uh, to go to this strip club. And look, I, I say this as a guy who did sexual harassment training um, and seminars for companies. Like, to me, I treat men and women the exact same, for better or worse, right? And so if I'm going to do anything and there's a female coworker there, I'm going to offer her the opportunity to go wherever we want as well. Now, if you don't want to go, that's fine. But is it sexual harassment now to offer a female coworker when you're in Las Vegas? This is probably something that a lot of people think about, right? Like, there are all sorts of conventions that go on in Las Vegas. There's all sorts of going out and drinking and going to have food and everything else. If uh, if you go out to a strip club now, like because I read that Boston Globe article and I was like, okay, I see that story, but why is that? Is it inappropriate to go now to a strip club with coworkers? 
is that is not allowed? In the article, it is when the article if she's if she, what she's saying is correct, she says she doesn't know that's where they were going, and then as soon as they got there, she was teased about being uncomfortable. So that would be a little bit different, right? Like obviously, well, if you consent to go, that I would don't be know, different because that's not knowing where you're headed. You have the right to not go, right? But I'm saying if you're in a car with somebody or you're going to whatever you think it is, it was after a company outing apparently with a lot of different employees and several of the males, I guess, and Barry may have gone to this deal, but she claims that she didn't know they were going to a strip club. To me, that would make it different. I don't know how you prove something like that. I'm just suggesting that that would be different if you think you're going one place and you uh, end yeah, up at I a guess, strip club. I guess that that's would be a true, problem. but I don't, I don't, in my entire life, I don't ever remember being in a car with a woman and taking her somewhere where she didn't know we were going. Right? I don't remember how many times I've gotten, I don't think I've ever gotten into a car or an Uber and gone somewhere and had no idea where I was going right and so I mean, if that's either. true right I mean but I'm saying that seems like a story that would be a little bit odd right like so if that's true if they got into a car and she didn't have any idea where they were going they're like okay hey the night's not over we're gonna get in a car and go somewhere else and then she's like she doesn't say where like that just seems strange to me I know Jen Sturger I, I like her I've done a couple of different uh, shows with her at FS1 so I'm not disparaging her story i'm just saying that would seem like a strange kind of, like that to me that's next to level right like to me that seems like a strange kind of situation where you get into a car having no idea where you're going and then like okay you have dinner and people are like hey we're gonna go out and have another couple of drinks you in and everybody's like yeah sure let's go and nobody says like hey where are we going and the next thing you know you pull up at a strip club that's a little bit different if that actually happened in that story okay that that feels strange but and maybe the answer is also when you're interviewing somebody, then I haven't ever done that. Like where you, the interviewee feels like they have to do whatever you suggest because they want to go to get a job. That also would be a different context. But I feel like, you see what I'm saying here? I feel like we're in an era where if you make a suggestion, like even if you say, hey, we're going to go to a strip club, people are like, oh, that's, that's sexual harassment. You can't do that. And I just I, I think that that would, that that would actually be, and this is I'm, I'm going to open up phone lines on this. And I'm actually going to open up phone lines on this eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. I actually think the unfair thing would be if you didn't offer the person that you were with the opportunity to go with you as well, right? I mean, I, to me, like, and I'm using Vegas as an example. It may be different if you're in Topeka on a random Wednesday night. Like, okay, that's not somewhere where you would typically kind of end up. I feel like Vegas is a place where people do things that are more risque than they would maybe in their their home base than if you're in a Buffalo on a Tuesday night or if you're in – you know, there are lots of things in Vegas which are normal in Vegas that would not be normal elsewhere. I think going to a strip club is normal behavior in Vegas. Some of you out there may say, oh, that's totally crazy. It's not normal behavior. I think it's also normal behavior in Vegas to sit with a coworker and gamble. That's something that you probably wouldn't do elsewhere. I think it's normal behavior in Vegas to maybe go to a show where there's nudity involved that isn't even a, you know, quote-unquote, like, strip club or anything. Like, you could go see Zumanity, and they come out topless, right? That's probably something you wouldn't do at a normal company event so if you're doing a company event in vegas that is a different kind of standard and so anyway i'm using this example because you go in and you look at all these circumstances and the allegations against one of the guys who's a sports center anchor i went and read all the text interchange and i'm thinking to myself my god 
does every man who has any relationship at all with a woman at his place of business now have to save every text message he's ever sent so that if he gets accused of inappropriate behavior, he can provide that private conversation to his employer and say, oh, no, no, I didn't do anything inappropriate. And also on the uh, on the other front, if you are out with a group of people, uh, and I think they were in Charlotte or something like that, uh, are you not allowed to make a decision to go to a strip club with coworkers? Is that considered sexual harassment now? Well, she, I, I, I mean, she's claiming she's claiming it's harassment, but the thing that that stands out about that one part of it says, or she says, that she and Matthew Barry were both admonished for the strip club outing. Whether or not you believe that should have happened or not, she didn't get a job, and Matthew Barry did because they were both interviewing at the same time. ESPN said they chose another woman who had more experience, but sent an email. Uh, saying that Sturger could have improved her chances by showing more professional behavior. And then Barry became senior fantasy analyst and one of the most influential persons in fantasy sports, that coming from the Boston Globe article. So that's that's interesting. I don't know that she's necessarily talking about how objectionable being at the strip club was as opposed to the fact that he didn't seem to get the same treatment as she did after the fact so that might be a little bit of a nuance between those two. And yeah, then she I just, mentioned another encounter just, with Barry that was a little bit worse. Yeah, but I mean, again, like I under like going after I just feel like we have moved into an era where like we're so diving into the details of every single interaction that I read the text interchange between the sports center anchor and this woman who's filed a lawsuit of inappropriate behavior, and I'm like, I don't see anything bad here. Now, maybe you can say there's something bad in that you should never date anybody that you work with. All right, I'm not willing to accept that standard, right? Because a, a ton of people listening right now end up married to the people they work with. And also, I'm not willing to accept the standard that if you're a guy and you go to a strip club with a coworker, that you've somehow committed a huge issue of sexual harassment. Like, the standard of sexual harassment, and what I'm getting at here is expanding to the point where there's behavior that I don't think is harassive at all that immediately gets accepted as being in the wrong. And look, I haven't been in any way lenient towards ESPN. I think it's fair to say. But when I read the accusations against both these guys published in a major newspaper, which will undoubtedly embarrass them and also embarrass their families and everybody else, I read this and I was like, this to me doesn't seem to be anywhere near the level of sexual harassment. I'm curious if people agree with me. 877-996-6369. By the way, men and women. I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, the crazy thing and the difficult thing about sexual harassment in general, and I used to do seminars to try to teach in-house uh, sexual harassment-related issues, and I also did sexual harassment investigations, so I know that it's a very serious issue, but it's in the mind of the accuser. So as a man, think about how rare you're very good at explaining what your wife or girlfriend is going to think about a situation. Think about the sexes and how often their minds are in different places in general. And to me, I just, I, I, I really wonder when I read this Boston Globe story, I was like, man, I'm sure that there is serious sexual harassment issues that have gone on at ESPN. I'm not sure this Boston Globe story is is probing them in that way. Now, there are several stories in there that are awful um, about how women who, were, for instance, were pregnant were treated differently, all those things. That's structural. 
that's a major issue inside of ESPN in general. And I think certainly pregnancy is a challenging issue for many people at many different companies all over uh, the country. And our way that we deal with maternity leave and paternity leave and everything else when you have children, I've certainly dealt with that in my own life in terms of the way that my wife had to, you know, she didn't get maternity leave when we had kids. Um, and so she had to use her, her health, uh, you know, her, her vacation days to be able to take off time when we had our first two kids. And I thought that was crazy. You know, I, I thought that it was crazy that you couldn't just get a specific amount of time of maternity leave. Like, uh, and everybody has different policies. And, and that obviously is an issue for ESPN. If I were running ESPN, given how wealthy that company is, if somebody has a baby, I would try to be as as uh, as, as as forthcoming and forthright and and lenient as you could possibly be, while understanding obviously that running a business is difficult if you have tons of employees that also are out on maternity and paternity leave. So all these things when I read that story were to me fascinating, but I think we've already moved into an era where you end up with uh, with you know kind of maybe we'll read some of those text messages. Um, as I was reading them this morning that ESPN released. Um, and I can read them to you and you can be like, yeah, that sounds like a normal conversation that a guy trying to date a girl might have. Didn't sound inappropriate at all. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. We're talking about a, a big story in the Boston Globe alleging a hostile work environment for women at ESPN. Now, I'm not dismissing every aspect of this story. I think if you are pregnant and you were treated as uh, several of the women in this story were, I think that's unacceptable, okay? I'm not saying that ESPN is perfect, but in particular, there are two male employees named in this article. Uh, John Butchie Gross, whose name I may be butchering, um, and also Matthew Berry. And both of those guys are still employed at ESPN. One of the coworkers of the SportsCenter anchor, we'll call him Butchie, uh, made allegations that he had behaved inappropriately in a lawsuit that she has filed. ESPN investigated, reviewed the evidence, and said they found that he had not behaved inappropriately. Late last night, they also took the next step of releasing the text messages between the two, and I just read a few of them. I We shared the link here on the show early this morning, and we're using this as a jumping-off point about the larger cultural dis- discussion going on about sexual harassment in the workplace. My position in general is that we have rapidly moved from an era when you read a lot of the stuff about Harvey Weinstein or, frankly, Matt Lauer or a lot of the other men who have lost their jobs. You read those and you say, oh, yeah, those guys have to go. You can't do that at the job. But I think we've moved rapidly in the space of two or three weeks into a story like the one I read about the Boston Globe where Butchie Gross is being accused of inappropriate behavior for dating a, uh, a co-worker at the time at ESPN and you read the text messages and they aren't inappropriate. And then also uh, you have a situation where Matthew Barry is accused of behaving inappropriately because he went to a strip club with coworkers, and again if that's the standard i'm like why is that sexual harassment now some of you are somebody just tweeted me and said and and jen sturger who used to be uh at florida state cowgirl was involved in this story uh somebody just texted me jen sturger can't complain about sexual harassment when she posed for playboy and maxim well that's just not true <laughs> all right the, the, the part of the problem here is that you're dealing with human emotions and the law which is always challenging let me just reiterate this. Just because a woman play, posed nude for Playboy doesn't mean she can't be sexually harassed. 
And certainly right. the same Tweeden, thing Leanne, is yeah, I mean, a true Tweeden, of Maxim. Like Leanne you, Tweeden was in Maxim in a bikini model, and she got Al Franken ousted. I mean, it doesn't matter what you did. You can you can be harassed no matter what you do for a living. Well, I mean, you can make a choice to pose nude and still be treated inappropriately at your job. Just like by the and then, by the way, the logic on this this flawed is you can say like, oh, well, she was asking for it. Did you see what she was wearing? Yeah, that's not a good line of defense. <laughs> that's the wrong angle to take here. So that's I'm not saying that that because of Jen Sturger's background that I think going to the strip club was a problem. What I'm saying is I, I don't believe that that's sexual harassment. Myself, if you put me on a jury and you said, so these coworkers, they went out for dinner and then they decided they wanted to have drinks afterwards and they went to the strip club, is that sexual harassment? No. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, look, now, if what she's saying, that she got into a car, she had no idea where she was going, and when she showed up at the strip club and she didn't want to go in, that it was sexual harassment, I think that gets into, like, what was the actual vibe? Was she, like, legitimately not wanting to go in, and they grabbed her and they dragged her in? Well, that's inappropriate, all right? Or was she like, ah, I'm not sure if I'm going to go in, and a couple of guys are like, hey, we're going to have drinks, there's other girls in here, you should come in. And she's like, I don't know if I want to come in. And they're like, ah, come on. If you don't want to go, that's fine. And then she felt pressured to go in. And she's like, that's sexual harassment? I think that's a more challenging situation. Um, But my point in a larger context here is we have to maintain our sanity in an era when it's easy for a, a woman right now, frankly, to accuse a man of sexual harassment and for a company especially if it's a prominent employee and ESPN knows they're going to get an article written about them to just kick him to the curb. But I think the evidence, at least that's public right now, that we can look at these text messages, I don't think he did anything inappropriate. Let's go out to LA. Jason Martin, you said you think about this because you're a single guy. I think about it because I'm a married guy. Like, you know, every text me- every email that I send at this point in time, honestly, I think, would I be okay with this going public on a, uh, on a website? Because I've attained a certain level of prominence, and if I do something that people are like, oh my God, Clay Travis behaved inappropriately, it could be a lead story on Deadspin or some other site that doesn't like me. It just could. And so every email that I send, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, would I be okay with this email going public? Now, the standard for me is probably a lot different than the standard is for other people, by the way, too. Because I try to live my life openly and just be honest about everything that I do. So I think most of the time, if you guys read my emails you'd be like, yeah, that's exactly what I expect Clay Travis to sound like. He sounds the exact same on the radio show. Uh, he sounds the exact same on his Periscope and Facebook show. He sounds the exact same in his articles. Like, I try to live my life so there's not that much difference, frankly, between my public and my private life. I don't think that if you talk to me at a bar, I would sound much different than I do on the radio show every morning. And that's because I try to be as honest as possible every day. But not everybody has the freedom to be as honest as I do in their jobs. And so when I see a situation like this, I actually have to say props to ESPN for standing up for their employee. And moreover, given the criticism that you know they're going to get and how big this story is going to be, I got to give them props for releasing the text messages because then everybody can just go read them. I just tweeted out the link uh, to the big lead, my guy Jason McIntyre's site. They put up the text messages. And I got to tell you, I don't see anything wrong with these text messages at all. Um, in the grand scheme of things. Now, would I call a girl dollface? Probably not, because it sounds like something my uh, my grandfather would have said. But, you know, could I see myself, if I were dating a girl, complimenting her on her looks, even though she was a coworker? Yeah. 
Could I see me complimenting on her having long legs? Yeah. I mean, again, you can go read these text messages for yourself. We've read a couple of them. Uh, What's your position on this, L.A.? Am I crazy, or are you guys in agreement with me here that there doesn't seem to be much wrong? Yeah, hey, uh, hey, Clay and uh, Jason. Uh, I was Sam here. I so let's let's separate all these things. I want to just say the Matthew Barry thing. Am I am I correct here when I'm saying that he was interviewing a woman for a position and on the same day brought her to a strip club? Is that correct? I don't I don't know the full details. I don't know if he had the if like if he had the opportunity and ability to make a decision in the hiring situation. I don't know. Like I'll just and, and again, I I don't know the specifics behind this. And I would agree that that's a little bit of uh, of a different kind of caliber of behavior. What usually happens, I'll say this: when you are uh, doing like a uh, a search for an interview process or like conducting an interview process, is in television they bring in like forty people and do a ton of different pilots if they're talking about doing a new show. That's oftentimes what happens. And so uh, I've been on, I bet, I bet I have filmed 50 pilots with FS1 for a variety of different shows over the last six or seven years, whatever the math is, however long FS1 has existed. When they were initially starting the network, they brought out a ton of people and they would do all these different panels where you would sit, they would record them, they'd go back and watch, analyze how you did. Then I've been on a ton of different pilots for Cowherd shows, Whitlock shows, I've, you know, you've done a lot of those different things. A lot of times there are multiple people there. Speaking as somebody who has been on those pilots and also speaking as talent in general, I don't think very many guys have the ability to say, this is the person I want and get them, or girls for that matter, if the, if the suits don't agree. In other words, Colin Cowherd is insanely successful, right? I don't think necessarily that Colin Cowherd can say, I want this person and I want, you know, like, I don't think Colin Cowherd has hiring and firing decisions, even, even Colin Cowherd, right? And so I think that if Colin doesn't necessarily have hiring and firing decisions, he can give his opinion, the suits can consider it. I just find it hard to believe that Matthew Barry, at that time, just a fantasy guy, and they're talking about doing a daily fantasy show, I don't think he would have been high up enough to have hiring and firing authority. Okay, so when, yeah. when they says it's an interview, I think it's different if you are a superior. Like, I agree completely. If you're a superior and you bring in a girl for an interview and you guys go out to dinner and then you're like... And by the way, I think that's a little bit weird to go out to dinner, just the two of you anyway. I think you yes. should probably just interview at the, uh, at the office. But let's say you interview at the office and then you're like, hey, afterwards, I'm going to go get a drink. Do you want to come out for a drink? I think that puts the woman in an awkward position yes. because then she feels like she has to go to dinner. She has to feel like she has to go get a drink with you because you're in a position of power over her. And she feels like, is this continue, continuing the interview? Do I have to be cool? Do I have to agree to hang out with this guy? Do I have to spend time with him in order to get a job? Then that would be inappropriate. What I am reading this is not Matthew Barry is a suit sitting in an office making a hiring and firing decision. I'm seeing this as they were basically filming a pilot Jen Sturger was one of the people on the pilot. And again, if I'm wrong, I could be could be misreading this, but this is the danger of reading stories like these in the newspaper. And then they decided as a group, let's go out and get some drinks and dinner after we did this pilot. And then from there, they decided to go to a strip club. I've done a bunch of pilots. Uh, we did an outkick pilot, and everybody who was on that pilot went out for dinner and drinks afterwards. Now, we didn't go to a strip club, but we went out for dinner and drinks afterwards to be like, hey, I thought we did a really good job here. Let's talk about how we thought the pilot went. And that was guys and girls too. And, 
you know, like I don't think there there's anything inappropriate about that. And by the way, I don't think I put people in awkward shape because even when I was doing that pilot, I didn't control hiring and firing decisions. I could be like, hey, I thought this person was good, but my opinion would just be weighted like somebody else's opinion in a suit. Now, I think the more powerful you are, like I said, Colin's a great example. I think Colin could close to be able to pick whoever he wants, but I still think the suits would look at it and say, eh, we don't necessarily like that. And I'll give you an example before. Like, I was pitched having uh, my own morning show on FS1, and I liked a couple of different guys that I wanted to do the show with, and I said, man, I think this is going to be really good. I'd like to do the show with, I'll just say it. I mean, I've talked about it. I'd like to do the show with Eddie George. Eddie George and I did a pilot. We did a, a show together, and the suits came back and said, ah, we don't think you and Eddie will be very good. I disagreed with them, but I wasn't powerful enough to be like, hey, I want Eddie. And then I wasn't willing to let somebody else pick a co-host for me. And you can say that's crazy, but I've done enough television and enough radio that if I'm going to be working with somebody every day, I want to make sure that I have a good working relationship with somebody. And so I've passed on opportunities because they've been like, hey, we want you to do this, but we're going to pick somebody else for you to work with. I'm not going to do that. And you can say that's crazy. Like, oh, just take the television show, do whatever. No. I mean, like, if I'm going to go to work every day and do a television show or a radio show, for that matter, I want to know the people that I work with. And so, uh, you know, I may not be high enough on the flow chart to be able to do that, but I answering your question, Iowa Sam, that's kind of circling around and explaining uh, what I think the context of that was as I read it. Sure. Yeah. I, listen, I, you have to judge the tone, and that goes to not only John Butchergrass's situation with the text messages, but also whether or not you have a female colleague or subordinate, whatever it may be, and what, whether that if it's comfortable or if it seems uh, appropriate to take that person to a strip club. I mean, you really have to have like a friendly working relationship uh, to to have that be okay with everybody. Um, and again, there's like power. There's a power dynamic here in play. So, I, strip club like there's nudity involved. Is, is that is that safe for work, so to speak? Like, there's all these questions that kind of go through your mind and. Maybe I don't know if he went if he made the right decision in trying to take someone to a strip club. I mean, for me, that's different from the Butchergrass stuff. I mean, the Butchergrass stuff seemed like more uh, like friendly banter, flirtatious banter. And we read through it, Justin and I read through it during the break. It didn't seem like a whole lot of red flags, like the doll face and the long legs thing, maybe. But really, I think these two things are, are a little bit different. I can see that. Um, but again, I, I just am looking at this in the context of these guys did a pilot. They went out to get dinner and drinks, and then they decided, hey, you know what? Let's go to a strip club. And, you know, maybe uh, Jen Sturger didn't want to go. And I think, you know, the, the, that's always an interesting question is when can you just divide the line between your work and your private life? There are a lot of people out there who are like, man, I don't want to go to my holiday party. <laughs> Right, like, but you feel like you're obligated to have to go to your holiday party for Christmas. You're like, man, I already work here. I already come here and work 50 hours. I guarantee you there's a ton of people out there listening to me right now who are driving into work on a Friday, and they've got a holiday party that they're going to after work today. And they're like, the last thing I want to have to do when I finish work after a long week is go hang out with the people that I work with because I can't stand a lot of these people, right? I mean, that's normal. A lot of people have jobs. They don't like the people they work with. And But you also, I guarantee you, I guarantee you there are thousands of people driving to work right now across the country listening to this show in this exact situation. They're like, I've got to go to a holiday party. How long do I have to stay? You know, maybe you're bringing your spouse with you and you're like, hey, we got to make an appearance at this company holiday party. I only want to stay for 45 minutes. We got to go talk to the boss. We got to go have a drink, walk around, don't be a Grinch, uh, say hi to everybody, and then we're out. 
And that's probably especially true in this modern era we're in right now where there's a lot of people walking into holiday parties like, the last thing I want to do is have some drinks and the next thing you know I'm getting accused of sexual harassment because I said something inappropriate to a coworker. I'd rather have a beer, maybe not even any alcohol at all, and then just get out of here and go on with my private life. And I think that's a question that lots of people have in general um, it, that, uh, that totally uh, it makes sense in a larger context. I'm going to take your calls. We're also going to play you this Warren Sapp audio so we can have a little bit of fun with this. Warren Sapp was accused in a lawsuit filed in the NFL Network case, which, by the way, is infinitely more significant than this story from the Boston Globe alleging inappropriate behavior at the NFL Network. Warren Sapp, and this is an unbelievable fact to me, accused of giving a female co- co-worker a sex toy as a Christmas present for three straight years. That by itself is just an amazing play. Warren Sapp's like, I'm going to give you a sex toy once, doesn't stick with it, comes back with another sex toy in year three, and then a third sex toy uh, in, in year three. That's a pretty unbelievable pull. I almost think it's easier to defend three sex toys where you're just giving sex toys all the time to people than it is one sex toy. But he went on the radio and he tried to defend himself. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 